Hi. Uh, welcome to episode two of Policy Debates, the place where we can discuss things openly and freely about freedom and South Africa and what the future holds. My name is Chris van Heistian. I'm a uh, honors accounting student at Stellenbosch University. And uh, joining me are Nicholas Wood Smith and Martin van Staden. They'll introduce themselves now. And uh, for this episode, we're going to be talking about how free is South Africa's economy based on an article that appeared on Fin24. Uh, link will be in the description. Martin. Okay, great. Um, I'm Martin van Staden. I am currently a law student at the University of Pretoria. I am also the um, the branch leader of African Students for Liberty on on Pretoria campus, and I am also, as of yesterday, the new executive board member representing Southern Africa on the African Students for Board um, Students for Liberty board. Nicholas. Um, first, before I introduce myself, I'd like to congratulate you on your new role, Martin. It's really, really cool Thank to have you in position. Um, so I'm Nicholas Woodsmith. Um, I am a um, the chairman of the Cape Town branch of the African Students for Liberty. I'm co-founder of the South African Libertarian blog and Facebook community. I um, also, uh, and I'm a student at UCT, uh, majoring in politics, philosophy, and economic history. Okay, cool. Can we start? <coughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, so the article we're covering in this episode uh, on Fin24, South Africa's Wealth Scorecard Reveal. Now, this is basically all the things, a list of ingredients uh, that you need for, uh, I guess, uh, a free and prosperous economy and country, and it gives uh, a few five or six points, um, and it gives a rating of the country based on that, and the scores aren't too flattering, um, and I think we'll briefly go through them. Okay, uh, point number one, strong ownership rights. Uh, this is probably the most important important aspect of any economy, you know, the, the people want to know what they own is theirs, and in South Africa, quite frankly, we don't have that. So many people, businesses and so on, they are unsure how much of their equity they'll have to sacrifice to things like economic empowerment and um, basically have to give away uh, farmers with their land. They don't know if they'll still be able to, you know, um, own their land in their name unconditionally. It might be taken away. They might have to lease it. They might have to give it to the workers. Um, there's major uncertainty, and of course, it's needless to say it scares people. I know farmers aren't investing on their farms. They aren't expanding. Foreign investors are staying away. You know, there are much more attractive opportunities elsewhere in Africa and in places like South America and East Asia. Um, so, yeah, strong ownership rights. Your guys' thoughts? Um, okay, yeah. So, so the strong ownership rights is obviously, I think, the, the most important um, element on this list. But, but what, what I'm... What I don't necessarily agree with is that they, they don't address the uncertainty, as you said. Like, they, they're they trying to um, say that we don't really protect ownership. But the thing is that if you, if you look at our constitution in a certain way, then ownership can be near absolute um, or, or property rights. But then if, 
if if you go like the route of the constitutional court, that that's not the case. So so the biggest thing that 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 I think is important in in this context is the uncertainty. Like nobody knows what the constitutional court is going to say next about Section 25. That is our um, our property rights laws, um, and nobody knows what part of what um, Act Parliament is going to pass next. That's going to further um, take away rights. If if maybe we had a, a slightly more conscious population, um, property conscious population, uh, our courts and our legislature wouldn't feel so so um, confident in in doing these things. Yeah, if I and yeah, that's basically in. my thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, uncertainty. Um, I'd recommend a book to everyone. Jim Rickards' uh, uh, book. Uh, the death of money, in which he says that uns regime uncertainty is what he calls it, is the biggest single influence or, or factor when investors consider whether to invest or not. And mm -hmm. it's okay. Just say, okay, we're going to have high taxes for the next 10 years. You're going to have to give away half your equity in your business and stuff. But make it clear because, yeah, we, we're sitting, we don't know where we're sitting. Guere Mantashe comes out now and then says something scary. Uh, Zuma has not taken a stance. The Constitutional Court, as you say, is up in limbo, so we don't know what's happening. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, Nicholas? It's like how Hayek said in Road to Serfdom. It's sometimes better to have stupid laws that everyone understands and knows about for a very long time, so mm. people can prepare for it. When, what we have now is not only we do have stupid laws, we just we don't have the time to actually prepare for it. That mm. means just, as you said, exactly. uncertainty. This particular thing, even with the th the laws we have now, and not just the threat to property rights, we ca we have this BE ownership stuff, which we ha companies which have to put a lot of capital to start up these companies have to give away most of their business to people with um, no actual merit. And most of the time, th th um, there's a few good examples and you know, nice examples of people who have benefited and everyone benefits and everyone's happy. But the main, um, the major vast majority. Are these businesses are just pilling out as you know, what happened? What how what we spoke about in the previous episode, capital flight, because people because uh, investors are too afraid of BE policies stealing their um uh, stealing their property and the, in this case property being their shares and businesses. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, point two in this article is uh, economic growth or the lack of economic growth in our country and I think this is more a consequence of everything else rather than a, than a well it's a vicious circle if you don't have growth you don't have prosperity and you don't have uh, a free economy and you have people who become upset and disgruntled and they become more nationalist and communist and whatever so yes I'll estimate it we think oh we're gonna grow 2 percent, 2.2% and it ends up you know vastly over forecasting or you know over undershooting underperforming even our low our low standards we should quite honestly if we want to grow and beat population growth and create jobs and uh, reduce unemployment uh, we need probably growth in the region of 5 or 6% mm. um, but that is that's quite far off so i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this yeah sure yeah. um what um, Franz Cronier of the Institute of Race Relations, he actually addresses this at length in his um, his 2014 book, yeah. um, Time Traveler's Guide to, to Our Next 10 Years. Now, what he says and what I actually also um, notice, like it's, it's patently obvious, like the government comes in wanting to help, then it, it, it 
it like it hinders product productivity with everything that else is listed in this list, like uh, uncertain um, uncertainty about property rights, and then economic growth um, stagnates and starts declining, and then the government and actually the majority of unconscious, politically unconscious people think that this is market failure. So naturally, the government must do more, and as the government does more, the econom economy slows down more. And then everyone says, but hell, look how the market is failing us. More government intervention, please. So at some stage, we're just going to like, the economy is just going to crash. So yeah, like you said, this is basically just a result of everything bad yeah, the government a, a is doing. A, a small market fa failure turns into a massive government failure. Mm. And yeah. nobody recognizes it, it seems. So yeah. Yeah. But has it ever been the nature of the ANC government to actually go for actual market solutions for anything? The entire solutions for stuff is let's get we need economic growth. Oh, let's get jobs. How about we make public works jobs? Oh wait, that um it costs taxpayers money. Doesn't matter, let's just raise tax. Yeah, and Kandla created jobs, let's build another ten Kandlas. Yeah. How about we go to Keynesian yeah. route, destroying Kandla and then build it again? Well, exactly. Break all the windows and put in new ones. Yes. Don't use shovels. Use use spoons. Yes, definitely. Yeah, like um, but 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 actually, the ANC had a had a policy when when we came out of out of apartheid. Um, gear the gro growth, employment, and redistribution program or something. Mm. It was actually a pretty market inclined policy, and and we experienced some great growth, like in in what it, what it was in ninety five, ninety six. We had yeah, we some had great growth. Years. And then they they uh, they just went away from that, and then we started coming into this decline. So yeah, it's bad choices. Yeah. So the ANC is bad just choices so and bad uncertainties. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Go on. Yeah, no. So the ANC is just so bad that when it does make good uh, good choices, it has to renege on them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like oh no, we're doing something right. We can't be seen doing something right. Okay. Um, it's a reputation. Yeah. Oh, anyway, the for for the strong ownership rights, they scored us a six out of ten. That's probably fair. Strong economic growth, four out of ten. I think we should get lower. Yeah. Um, the next two we did quite well. Firstly, a well-developed banking system and stock market. That's true. Our banking system is pretty sophisticated, and I don't yeah. see any Cyprus-like bail-ins. I think if you have money in a South African bank, it's safe. Um, you know, we had we had the African bank. Collapsed last year, but even you know, depositors' money was was safe. Um, so yeah, and the stock market, our stock market is developed. I complain every now and then a bit about the lack of information or the access to the stock market. But anyway, um, so yeah, you and they scored us a nine out of ten. So uh, your guys thought? Yeah, I don't have really much to say about this other than well, it's private banks. Uh, generally private yeah. stock market, so it, it follows yeah. that it's going to be good. So yeah. Yeah. We'll lower the score when Malema comes and nationalizes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Or Bunchuk okay. Party. <laughs> <laughs> Interest-free loans everywhere. <laughs> oh, okay, next one, free and independent media, 9 out of 10. That score That's might a be a bit high. I don't think it's 9 out of 10. Who, who uh, owns Fin24? <laughs> uh, I think NASP, <laughs> NASP is, but, but uh, uh, yeah, 9 out of 10, I think, well, reading the Cape Times from time to time, you get the impression that that's uh, a mouthpiece for the ruling party, but anyway, your guys' thoughts? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. Yeah. Oh, my my thoughts on on the media have basically been the same as my thoughts on South African civil society. I mean, let's let's imagine for a moment that South Africa suddenly becomes America, right? Yes, we have a free and independent media, and we have a very active civil society. But the 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 problem is that our media and our civil society are left inclined. So what they're doing with this free and independent voice that they have, that they that something new in South Africa has reported, they're using it to, to say the government must do more in the economy and in our social lives. Like it's 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 rare to actually find uh, an an unapologetically unapolog free market inclined publication or or um, program in South Africa. I mean in in America they have Fox News now. I know that's <laughs> We have a lot of bad things Let's to say about Fox News as well, but but at least at least they have one or two shows and 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 con uh, few, quite a few contributors, active contributors, who are 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 just they're free market, they're capitalists. Now in South Africa, we I don't think we really have that. Yeah, no, so any, that's my any, anything that's not in the kind of the the mainstream left consensus is right wing. So mm. all of us, you know, are, we're right wing. We're extreme right wing. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, if you were to listen to to uh, the mainstream, they'd call us that. Um, yeah. Anyway, Nicholas, you have thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, well, just basically what Martin said. That's they basically say, oh, but government intervention's a problem. Let's have more government intervention. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's just the log yeah. leftist logic. Yeah, <laughs> gas on the fire. Um, yeah. Okay, next one, low level of government intervention. I think here they score us a very accurate 2 out of 10 because oh, yeah. we do have lots of government intervention. Uh, whatever issues the country face, ESCOM, oh, uh, BE con uh, ownership and affirmative action and bonuses and no accountability whatsoever, it seems. Um, we're just left with rising prices and uh, sometimes two or four hours a day without electricity, which is, I think, by modern 21st century international standards, absolutely unthinkable, to be honest. If this happened in Germany, I think they'd, they'd have a revolution in a week. <laughs> um, you know, things like SAA. I honestly can't see any reason for SAA to mm, keep, keep mm. on existing, apart from it gives free... Uh, Free business class flights to civil servants, and I guess they also need to, you know, find <laughs> comfort. Um, things like that, and they intervene everywhere. Someone like Rob Davies, who's Minister of Trade and Industry, it's it's communist. a joke because yeah. I mean he's he's this communist. He doesn't. I don't think he's ever had a real job in his life. Um, <laughs> he doesn't live in the real world, and then he. You know, oh, government needs to be regulated. We need to register every ah business needs to be regulated, regulate ah register every business, and he <laughs> comes up with these really silly things like the archaic. The Soviet Union collapsed. Well, most of it, many many years ago. The struggle is over. You know, let's if we want growth, if we want prosperity, if we want poverty to end, we're going to have to start going in a different route and I don't see that we're going to make a turn somewhere. We're just going to keep on going deeper and deeper into a tunnel and the spending is going to continue going into a, it's a bottomless pit of where we're going to throw money at and regulate and, and you know, that's why we don't have growth. But anyway, Martin, 
Yeah, so um this is like this re this is this list, it's it's done by research. This this organization did research. So now this is greatly contrasted with what I actually experienced today at, at class. Um, I can't be too specific or, or name names, but my lecture in a specific um, class actually went on a, a nice tangent today about how South Africa is a free market capitalist economy, and the government really doesn't intervene in 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 um. And the economy just just to a small extent because the government is needed for the market to be free. And now now I see this. It's like facts don't exist to some people. Like they are just like secondary um, afterthoughts. Now our government clearly intervenes. It's everywhere. Uh, it, <laughs> I was having a conversation today with with um, with one of my my fellow students, and um, this is something that Leon Lowe also um, spoke about during the apartheid days is, um, in, in his book, um, South African Solution. Uh, the, the attorney's profession, like the lawyer's profession, it is so, so deeply regulated, right? So this is, this is something that in America it is, uh, the regulation, for example, is, is basically non-existent. Now in South Africa, you need to pay the law society to become an attorney. You need to pay their monthly fees, and you need to pay something like 12,000 rand to, to receive training from them to open your own firm, and this is compulsory. Now this is just one example of how the government is everywhere. It, it compels you to do things that you need to pay for. And yeah, I, I don't even think we can describe this, this, this um, South Africa as a mixed market economy anymore. I think we were we're yeah. like seriously starting to lean lean to the left now, like just back yeah. where we were during apartheid in a certain if, way. If I can use an analogy that Stefan Molyneux once used, and it's great. He says that if, if you're swimming in a pool, which is 1% urine, and the urine being government's intervention or government spending or government whatever in a market, that's fine, you know, 1%, that's, that's probably the average in any given pool. And then it starts, it goes to 10%. Okay, government is 10% of the economy. And so, okay, you know, I can still, okay, we can just, I'll just close my eyes and we let's go for it. But then government is 40, 50, 60% of the economy. I mean, and then, and then, so it gets exponentially worse. Yeah. The more government gets, because you wouldn't swim in a pool that's, that's 50 or 60% plus as South Africa's economy is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, uh, Nicholas? Yeah, so uh, Martin, you upset me greatly with your telling me about your uh, uh, what they're saying in your lectures. <laughs> yeah, uh, so just, yeah, it's a big a big problem, just how the general view of the left and how they view the um, state intervention. And I think it's, it's, uh, it doesn't even need to be said that we are suffering from government intervention and we do have a lot of government intervention. Doesn't, not much more needs to be said about that. What we really need to say is how are we going to convince the government or overthrow the government? Maybe <laughs> I shouldn't say that treason <laughs> um, to get um, to actually stop this because it's a ticking time bomb. And as Christian said earlier on, we can't afford to keep paying. Uh, can't afford to keep paying for all these things, and especially seeing that no new ta taxpayers are forming. Boost gov uh, corporations, the biggest taxpayers, aren't starting because there's no business-friendly policies. Yeah, and the uncertainty. Yeah, and uncertainty. So, so the thing is, I mean, you can be as ideologically socialist as you like, but at the end of the day, the the wealth, the money, 
well, not the money, they'll print money, but the wealth will run out. And that's the point where I think things start to get interesting in South Africa. But anyway, <laughs> let's see. Uh, <laughs> next, next, uh, next point here is low income tax and company tax rates. Two out of ten. Um, that might be a. I mean, if you look at the taxes by themselves, it might be a bit harsh. Um, two out of ten. Our corporate tax rate is 28%, which is, I think in America, it's about 35%. Yeah, definitely um, differs by state. Yeah. I think. Um, well, yeah, it differs by state. In European countries, it's 40, 50, 60%. Um, and the personal tax rates are anywhere from 18% to 40%, I think. And we're not talking about the fact that many, many people don't pay it or even register for tax. Uh, many businesses in rural areas are just, I mean, they're cash businesses and they don't pay tax at all. And, and uh, uh, don't forget the biggest industry, taxis. Taxis. <laughs> I don't think a taxi owner has ever paid any tax. Yeah, but no, anyway, no let's, not, let's not make <laughs> assertions like that. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, um, the, the taxes, which is almost an invisible tax, is things like uh, affirmative action. Mm. Uh, the minimum wage is a tax, mm. in a sense. Yeah. Um, the fact that you have to pay... I mean, if, if you go work at a business, it's not... and you, you get your... you pay your pay as you earn tax, it's not really... you're not paying it. It says so in your salary slip that you're paying, say, 20 or 30%. Oh, this is coming off your... But the, the, the company is actually paying that. So if, if you take it all in all, companies and even individuals who own businesses end up paying 40, 50, 60% tax rates considering the time and effort they spend to do the admin to actually complete tax forms and calculate things and so on. So at the end of the day people are working four, five, six, seven months a year for the state as you know it's, it sounds harsh but it's true as slaves because they don't want to but they have to. And in South Africa if you don't pay tax you go to prison. It's not like it's a, it's not a civil thing, it's a criminal thing. Um, yeah, Martin? Yeah, no, so tax has actually always been a been a, a thing in South Africa. This is actually something I missed in, in a recent article I wrote, um, Seven Reasons Why Apartheid Was Not Capitalist. Now, um, what, what, what Leon Lowe um, reports in that book of his, South Africa, The Solution, is that even um, during those days, the, we had a progressive income tax, like a massive progressive income tax. Mm. And I can't expect, um, okay, well, I can't remember the... the the exact number is now, but we were comparing with Scandinavia actually, um, Sweden and those countries, we had a, an income tax on their level. Now, um, now I, I do tax law in, in, at university and the thing is, <laughs> it's, it's clear how the government discourages small businesses, right? So, um, you know, we have several forms of, um, of like company, we have sole proprietorships, we have partnerships, uh, we add closed corporations, we have mm. private and public companies, and then we have business trusts. Now, the smallest of these, um, the sole proprietorship and the partnerships, now these are typically small businesses of people coming together, um, establishing their own little uh, mom-and-pop corner shop. Now, they have higher taxes um, um, proportionally than, than companies. So. 
um, now this is okay. This is due to the fact that they they're not separate legal personalities. But now, if you if you open your own business, your business will be taxed on the same progressive scale as your as your income tax. So right. and that is up to forty percent, and it's the same for um like the forty percent of your income, and it's the same mm -hmm. for 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 partnerships. Yeah. Uh, companies like like you said is only it's only twenty eight percent now, but it's it's more expensive and more onerous to to um register and get through all the regulations when, when you establish a company. So yeah, the, the government consciously, consciously and fully aware of what, it, what it's doing discourages small business. Uh, um, the, best, the best example is that the Companies Act of 2008 actually repealed, or not repealed, but it, it amended the Closed Corporations Act in such a way that you can't, you can't register new, new closed corporations in South Africa anymore. So that avenue, that, that that gave um, and we actually had more closed corporations in South Africa than than private companies. So it was it was easier for small businesses to be established. Now that has been taken away. So if if you want to go from a sole proprietorship and um, you want a legal personality for your company so that you don't bear that tax um, burden anymore, you need to register a private company, and you know, mm. that's it's bloody that, expensive. That pre that, pre that uh, prevents so many. Rural businesses, promising businesses, from coming out of the underground and uh, you know mm. joining the formal economy because they don't know how to register. It's costly. Um, mm. They're gonna have to start paying tax. SARS might investigate their past. Who knows what? No, exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, Nicholas. Well, let's just assume that tax is justifiable. Let's just assume, just just for the sake of it, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not there. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest problems with Africa is just, uh, it's going to sound trite, but lack of service delivery. Not only are we being taxed, um, as you guys said, just through the arse, just we're not getting anything out of it. Mm. Because uh, last time I checked, we're not allowed to stand in Kandla. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's basically it. Not only do we have um, over-top tax, we have unjustifiable tax. Yeah, I mean, mm, if, exactly. you, if you could see what we're getting for it, then you know maybe a case could be made. Fair enough, but we're not. I don't see. I don't pay taxes. I'm a student, but I know there are lots of people out there who are paying lots of tax, and I feel sorry for them because they drive around and they really don't see what they're getting for it. At least in the Western Cape, we tend to have you know people clean our dustbins and uh, and uh, we don't have that many potholes. But yeah, I but it's still. I don't know what we're getting for the money. I actually have the numbers here now. It's not up to date, but in in the the f on tax year of 2012-2013, that's a few years back, uh, the state got 800 no yeah 814 billion rand in in tax revenue, right? Now that's billion with a with a, a capital letter B, if I if I can say it like that. Um, that is a massive amount of money, like. Kandla, um, plus like all the weird stuff that they did recently, it only amounts to about what 300 million, 300 million rand. Yeah. That is 0.0356 percent of the amount of tax that they they put in in, in that tax year. So yeah, <laughs> we pay massive amounts of tax, we get nothing back. So yeah, it's it's sad. It's very sad. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Anyway, uh, next one. Uh, ease of investment. Three out of ten. And this is also one, you know, people don't, it's yet again, mainly the uncertainty. People don't know what the future holds for this country. Foreigners, you know, 
we can say, oh no, foreigners, imperialists, which is absolute nonsense. <laughs> um, that argument has been refuted so many times. But anyway, we need them. We need capital from somewhere. Uh, the conditions in South Africa is we don't have, it's not going to come from here. We need foreign capital, we need investment. Um, and it's difficult to invest. People don't know where to invest. They don't know how to invest because it's, well, and they're uncertain. They don't know what the future holds. And, uh, you know, we have very high tax. We have capital gains tax, which is a tax on inflation, in effect. And South Africa has plenty of inflation. So if you invest in the stock market here, and, and uh, any gains you, you make, uh, if you held the investment for less than three years, it's straight, taxable at your 30 or 40 or 50 percent, whatever it may be. Um, and if you, if you hold the investment for longer than three years, it uh, becomes a bit less due to capital gains tax. But still, I mean, so you're juggling around with, you're not necessarily making the best possible choice or, or judgment in your investments because you're thinking, oh, okay, wait, why, how, how must I structure my things so that I pay the least possible tax and, uh, you know, it's just not conducive to really to a, a, a very free market. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah, um, so the capital gains tax is actually a fairly new thing in South Africa. I think we introduced mm. it in 2003. So, yeah. That's just that's just another like example of the uncertainty. You know, imagine like you had you were looking to invest in South Africa at that time, and all of a sudden, the government introduces a new tax, a new national tax. Now, in, in places like America, yeah, okay, so the state of South Dakota introduces a new tax. So too bad. So now in South Africa, we, it's a new national tax, and the thing is, <laughs> okay, our constitution, like. It, it has no provision on taxation, right? Nothing. It leaves that question open-ended. The government can do whatever it wants. It can tax 100% of everything we own. And the Constitutional Court will say that that doesn't violate our property rights. I can guarantee it. Anyway, so yeah, the uncertainty is ridiculous. Our government can do anything, anything it wants, when it wants. And the ANC, like now with the EFF to its left, um, it's... They're all gonna they're gonna go left of Marx even um, it's it's inevitable so yeah the uncertainty is it's the, I wouldn't recommend at this stage that anyone invest in South Africa uh, yeah. I I don't care if I suffer under it um, don't invest yeah. here it's it's a bad choice yeah. and uh, also also as you said with capital gains tax I heard somewhere so I'm not sure if it's true that South Africa actually spends more time and effort and money saws enforcing capital gains tax rules because it's such a difficult thing to regulate than mm. it actually takes in from revenue. So it's not even effective. They just put it there because it looks good on paper, you know, oh, taxing the rich, it's very progressive. Mm. But, but, but it's, it's not effective and it's, it creates so, yeah, it's just, it's a, a cluster bomb of a mess. Um, yeah, I don't know, Nicholas? Well, just um, I think everything really has been said about this. Investors don't want to come in. We don't get money. Leftists don't care because big rich people are scary and they don't like big rich people scaring them. So um, that's that's the problem. The electorate don't like them because they've been um, indoctrinated into thinking that rich people are bad. But sadly enough, regardless of your opinion on rich people, we need rich people to actually fund things because that's where money comes from. 
Mm, like yeah. mines. <laughs> Talking about mines, yeah. our mines are closing down. <laughs> was yeah. it just to add just to add something that um you said, uh, Martin, uh, how you didn't won't encourage any foreigners to invest in South Africa? I would like to add to that and say I don't encourage any South Africans to invest in South Africa. <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> Luckily, well, unfortunately, we do, we don't have that many choices. And uh, <laughs> if, if if you if you find the right place to invest, I mean, there's there's still hope. It's not a complete. It's not a complete mess. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're clear enough, you you can, you know, there's still opportunity. But it's yeah. just it should it's a tragedy because it should be so much easier and so much better and so much more certain and more promising. But it's not okay. But as you were just speaking about the mines, our last one is level low level of trade union involvement. And of course, we don't have a low level of trade union involvement. That's why we scored a ten out of three out of ten. Um, our unions are increasingly active, which has driven up wages and hence pushed up unemployment and inflation. Um, so yeah, basically the world experienced the greatest ever commodity boom, bull market in commodities between the early 2000s and the well, basically in the in the in the noughties, as you can say. Um, and South Africa effectively missed out on a lot of that simply because we had unions and we didn't have the infrastructure. So South Africa should have been, I mean, we have, by some measures, the largest underground mineral deposits out of any country in the world. And, you know, and we're not using it. And it's ironic that some of the, the countries blessed with the highest amount or most resources are actually the poorest. Uh, and it's, I think, largely because of trade unions. Trade unions have significant uh, political influence. They they make up the tripartite alliance, Kasatu does. So they effectively have a s major say in government. All the ministers are trade trade unionists, ex-trade unionists. So uh, to quote Helen Zilla, if Kasatu wants to have an influence in government, it should run for government. It shouldn't, mm. shouldn't come in from the side. Mm. Um, so, and this is—I don't think anyone in government has the balls to take to take on the unions because without the unions, I don't think the ANC is there. But as it relates to economic freedom or uh, the potential for prosperity, we won't have any if the unions continue with their with their with their nonsense. Martin. Yeah. So, um, two things. Uh, my first point on this is. Um, Actually, it, it's going to relate back to the main point I think we've been trying to make here, and that's uncertainty. I think it was uh, two days ago or yesterday. Now, I don't know in which city this is. I think it is in Johannesburg. Uh, the, the municipal firefighters actually went on strike, right? Um, I don't know if, it's, if it was with a union or not. But anyway, um, property burned down. I think some people were left without homes. Uh, this is the kind of reckless, um, at least trade unionistic uh, mentality that's that South Africans have. It's it's it's. I, I guess you can call it a a bad case of entitlement. And uh, now these, I, I don't I don't I don't know if um, the firefighting um, firefighting as a as a profession is 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 exclusively a state ma mandate. I know we have private um, ambulance services. I'm not sure about firefighting. I have only ever seen state firefighters. Now. You wouldn't invest in a, in a country where the monopolized fire service, uh, in a, it's a very dry country, South Africa, you wouldn't um, invest here knowing that if, if your 
if something caught fire, the fire department can just say, sorry guys, uh, it's strike time. Okay, yeah, so that's yeah. that's a, a point I have to make on, 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 on the uncertainty. Uh, secondly, that something you don't really hear from people who call themselves libertarians or, or free marketeers, but it's something that I actually mentioned in my um, the reasons why uh, apartheid isn't uh, wasn't a capitalist system is that I actually support trade union trade union existence. I'm I'm fully in favor of employees associating with one another and um, collectively bargaining. Uh, they can they can use their strength in numbers to pre put pre pressure on their employer, just like their employer can put pressure on them. It's perfectly fine. The problem is that in South Africa, trade unions have legal recognition. Uh, the constitution recognizes uh, um, unions, and uh, we have acts of parliament that recognizes unions. So these, these, it's 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 actually fascism, right? So um, uh, corporatism, um, corp, yeah, it's corporatism that was developed by I think Mussolini. It was yeah. it was explicitly um, uh, uh, a kind of system where where the government um, the workers and the employers they 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 came together and that that's what the government is a big trade union a big employers organization and of course the state so we have unions with statutory recognition and they have they through the courts and through the CCMA they actually have statutory authority at this stage you can so you can consider our unions arms of the state I I will go f as far a, as far yeah. to say that so. Yeah, it's, it's the, terrible. Many, many, uh, many of the of the ex uh, unionists, such as uh, uh, what's the the man from Cope, the people from Cope, and the likes of Tony and Gany and Marcel Golding, have uh, are multi multi millionaires now, and they used to be trade unionists, you know, standing up mm. for the rights of the worker, Communist Party <laughs> members, what what. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> The whole thing—it's—it's it's like a farce, as you said. It's fascism. It's a—it's a joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Nicholas. Yeah. Well, as you said, employee associations, because I don't want to call them unions, are good. We should encourage workers to work together on a private basis, a consensual basis, more importantly, mm. in order to negotiate with their um, employees, because collective bargaining is a right of workers. And I actually, as you said, I do support it. But the problem is. Unions don't support consent, and they don't support um, mm. the rights of the workers. They are just—they're not even socialists or Marxists, because at least socialists and Marxists try to attempt to acknowledge the rights of the workers. Unions are basically just companies which just don't produce anything. They just enslave—they enslave people, then demand payment from them. They kind of, well, yeah. they basically mini governments. Well, they're yeah. gangs, yeah. and most of a lot of the time, especially overseas, they're run by the mafia. For good cause, they, 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 you pay them. A, they make a lot of money, and yeah. do we really want a gang? Well, more than one, uh, more than one gang running our nation. Yeah, I think and the <laughs> gangs are fighting, fighting amongst each other. So hopefully they destroy themselves. Yeah, exactly. Destroying yeah. us. <laughs> I just fear they might evolve. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So, gents, um, do you have anything to add? Because that was our last one. So I think that's that for this episode, and uh, I think the consensus, or to sum it up, I think uncertainty is the biggest single thing. Uncertainty and tragedy. The tragedy mm. of what South Africa could have been, or in fact should be, or possibly can be, mm. but what it's not, due to what the state mainly does 
And I say it does, not what they don't do. They shouldn't do anything, but what they do. Yeah, you know, just causes so much, so much well economic anguish. So yeah, um, yeah. If that's that, you guys have any final words? Uh, well, the only thing I think I can add is that Leon Lowe said that in 1987, uh, South Africa, strictly speaking, if we had a, a free-ish market, we would be as as South Korea uh, started becoming at that time. Uh, we would have been. A, a, a premier first world nation after apartheid if we had followed the free the free market um, system. Yeah, we yeah. didn't, so here we are. Yeah. Okay, I think we've actually overshot for this episode. We spend way too much. We're trying to keep these things to like 15, 20 minutes, but this is a bit longer, so apologies to that. Um, so yeah, this was episode two. Please like and subscribe and uh, share your thoughts and comments and share the video please if you liked it and check out our Facebook page and uh, stay tuned for more episodes coming very soon. Cheers. <laughs>